A review of Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny on this episode of the Movies Past and Present Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Movies Past and Present Podcast. It's July 8th, 2023, and this is episode 108. I'm your host, Stanford Clark, and I'm podcasting from the crossroads of the West in beautiful Salt Lake City, Utah. Just like my blog, moviespastandpresent.com, I'll be providing recommendations, commentary, and news about current and classic cinema. Thanks for tuning in, and let's do this thing. In Classic Cinema Corner, we've got three films. First up... Uh, are actually two films uh, that are part of the 2023 Studio Ghibli Fest. Uh, this, is, of course, is through Fathom Events. And uh, on July 9th and 11th, in theaters, you can see Nausicaa and the Valley of the Wind. This film is from 1984. And uh, it's a lovely environmental fable. And if you've never seen it, you know it might be worth checking out. The one I'm most excited about is the other film that's playing uh, is Castle in the Sky from 1986. This uh, film, I just think it's one of Studio Ghibli's best. It's uh, going to be playing in theaters July 10th and July 12th. So make sure you check the Fathom Events website. I'll have a link to that in the podcast notes on my blog. But it's fathomevents.com. And you can see where that's playing. And uh, definitely worth checking out, particularly Castle in the Sky. This month's uh, Fathom's big screen classic is National Lampoon's Vacation from 1983. Uh, starring Chevy Chase. This is a comedy that a lot of people like. I can't say it's one of my favorites, but it's funny. Uh, and... And uh, so, again, if that's your thing, it might be fun to check that out on the big screen. That's going to be playing on July 16th and July 19th. And, again, check the, check the Fathom Events website for specifics. All right, well, uh, I have the pleasure this week of talking to my good buddy Chris Dallin. Again, we're going to be talking about uh, the new Indiana Jones films, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Uh, I had a chance to see this film over the 4th of July, and uh, actually got to see it with Chris and his family. So that was really, um, that was a lot of fun. And uh, I'm just really crazy about this movie. I um, I absolutely love it. So here is my conversation with Chris about Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Joining me again for the podcast is my good friend, Chris Allen. Hi, Chris. Nice to be with you today, Stan. Hello. How's, how's it going? Really well. I'm I'm kind of excited to talk a little bit about our good friend, Indiana Jones. I know, me too. Here we've got another shot to talk about Indiana Jones. It was so fun to do that recap together our, uh, about the four uh, you know, previous films. And then now we've got this, this brand new one. And, and uh, I had the pleasure of seeing it with you and your family. So thank you so much oh, for including me. So that was so, so much fun. Yeah. Uh, so much fun. So, all right, Chris. Well, let's let's dive into it, my friend. What are your overall thoughts uh, about Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny? Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Well, you know, at this point in my life, Stan, um, Indiana Jones is much more than just a movie. You know, it's uh, it's part of our culture. Um, I mentioned in our last conversation um, how much uh, I enjoyed the film when I went to see it for the first time when I was just 11 years old. Um, it's had a big impact. And, and really, if you think about the iconography 
of characters that have been created over time, Indiana Jones has certainly got to be in the top 10 list, Dan. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. so so absolutely, um, I, I really like the film. I'm excited to see it again, uh, just because I think you miss things and so on. But, you know, what I was struck by and I, what I was driving to earlier is you know, this kind of swan song for Harrison Ford. Yeah. Who, who knows what will happen with the franchise moving forward if there'll be other characters. Now, um, there's been announcements, at least as I understand them, that Indiana Jones will not continue without Harrison Ford. But, you know, there could be others in what we'll call the Indiana Jones universe. Yeah. Right? So we'll see what happens there. But you know, I was looking at the ages of some of the people that are involved in this film and the traditional ones as well. And we've kind of watched their uh, their entire career over our lives anyway, Stan. Um, you take a look at Karen Allen. Um, ironically, she's 71. Okay. Um, Steven Spielberg, 76. George Lucas, 79. Harrison Ford, 80. And then the patriarch of the group is John Williams at 91 years old. Wow. And they are getting it done and they made a world-class movie. I loved it, Stan. Thank you, Chris, for, for uh, your, your, your thoughts here. You know, as, as we talked about, I, have to, I, I love this movie too. I just absolutely love it. And, and thought it was just a total, total blast and a really great send-off to such a great character. Uh, it just, yeah, the whole thing, the whole thing worked for me. So, uh, anyway, there, <laughs> there's that. So thanks for bringing up those ages too. Isn't that interesting? Uh, uh and, and, uh, you know, then the, the, the John Williams score and, you know, just the great performance from Harrison Ford. And here they are there. They are no spring chickens. But they're still getting it done. Aren't they, they? they are getting it done. And that's the thing with John Williams is there's not a person on the planet that can argue to me anyway that the film scores for the Indiana Jones films are just as much of a character as anyone else. Yeah. Yeah, true. It's so true, Chris. So, Chris, what were your thoughts about the story? You know the, the the plot of 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 uh, the Dial of Destiny, right? And um, I think we decided that there we're not worried about spoilers here. Yeah, thank you. So uh, thank you for bringing that up. Yeah, I wanted to say this is spoiler alert. We're going to be talking everything about everything about this movie. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. thank you, thank you. <laughs> yeah. So you know um, the plot. Let's start with the beginning of the film. You know, okay. Andrews teaches us that that's a good place to start. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what what's interesting is we see Indiana Jones in his prime. Um, they did some de-aging technology. That's how it starts. And it's a little bit shocking, um, almost as if there was some uh, film found somewhere. They... In other words, they did a really nice job, I believe, with the de-aging process. Um, and you learn um, in that exposition, as Indiana Jones is so good at doing, um, is understanding what the plot is, and that's finding the Dial of Destiny, which uh, we all know now is kind of a, tr a time travel mechanism. And it's... Uh, uh, the whole film is kind of wrapped around that. And then, of course, peppered with what you and I know as the chase scenes and uh, innuendo and funny, punny lines and other things that come with a great Indiana Jones film. So I I really liked the idea of this time travel. And, and frankly, between you and I, Stan, and your listeners now, uh, I I kind of had these fantasies about maybe able to time travel back to, you know, Raiders of the Lost Ark or, um, you know, some of the other previous films as well. But uh, I really like the premise and the fact that Indiana Jones was able to experience real history firsthand 
was really great. Um, and just seeing him being able to experience and wanting to be part of that history was really a joy ride. And it was a lot of fun, but um, didn't disappoint with the chase scenes, didn't disappoint with the puns and the fun. Um, really great show. So I, I love the plot and those details too, Stan. Oh, thanks, Chris. You know, um, just to echo what you said, that that opening sequence where, you know, we've got a de-aged Harrison Ford. And overall, those de-aging special effects, I thought, were pretty good. Maybe there were a couple shots that didn't look perfect, but uh, I looked believable to me. And I got to tell you, there's nothing more satisfying than Indiana Jones punching out Nazis. I just love that. I just love that so much. But in this opening sequence, just as you're saying, you know, we... Uh, He's with uh, his an archaeological friend who's named uh, Basil Shaw, who's played by uh, Toby Jones. And um, the Nazis are pilfering uh, all of these art, you know, all this art and artifacts. And so everything's going on in this particular train. And um, that's where they find this dial. And I... I I have a hard time pronouncing this word, Chris, but it's the Antikythera, I think, uh, if I'm not, if not, if I'm not mistaken, but it was created, as you mentioned, by the, uh, mathematician Archimedes who, uh, lived in Sicily, you know, uh, you know, in Italy. Right. And, and so, uh, the, 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 uh, the dial, is just is is of course they're you know they call it, they're they referring to it as the dial of destiny but it's this this antikythera is is the thing that's dry that drives the plot forward in this in this film and it's a cool it's another cool thing and another thing that i really love the design of it uh you know the you know the, the, this particular dial and whatnot and so anyway super great opening sequence um that then we get flash you know, flash forward to 1969 in New York city. And, uh, we meet up with Indiana Jones <laughs> again, kind of being the angry old man telling his neighbors to shut up. Although they, I think they deserved it. What well, you know, they were, but it's the, uh, they're celebrating the landing on the moon and that the, and the, the astronauts are going to be coming to New York city for a, for a parade. So Indiana Jones teaches at, Hunter College, and I found out, Chris, that Hunter College actually is a thing. It's a public university that's in New York City. And uh, so anyway, that, I, I had wondered if that was if that was something they had, you know, was fictional or real, and it's, it's real. So uh, uh, anyway, what did you think of, of finding Harrison Ford, you know, I guess Indiana Jones, in kind of a, a saddened state at the beginning, at the beginning of the film? What were your well, thoughts on that? Well, sad and state indeed, because he was served some divorce papers. Yeah. Um, as you know, you know, the last the last time that we saw Indiana Jones, he was getting married, of course, to Marion. Yeah. And he, he was served the divorce papers and he was retiring, which, you know, we all know that um, he doesn't seem like the retiring type. Yeah. And so I think that's what drove a lot of that. And then all of a sudden his spirits pick up when an adventure is presented on next steps, when he's introduced to his goddaughter. Yeah. Yeah. We meet Helena Shaw, who's the daughter of, of uh, Basil Shaw, you know, again, played by Toby Jones. And, and uh, she's got an interesting proposition for him. <laughs> Doesn't she? Yeah. 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 yeah um, she does. And and the way that that goes is just classic indie. Um, Helena says, you don't remember me, do you? And of course, uh, Harrison Ford's character responds non-verbally with this. No, I don't remember you. But his dialogue says, whatever I did, I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> um, Almost a Han Solo type response. Yeah, frankly, you know? <laughs> I thought that was great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, so, had you have you seen? So, this Helena is played by the actress Phoebe Waller Bridge. She's a she's a Brit. Are you familiar with her at all, Chris? Have you ever seen her before? I I have not, but 
I was delighted with her performance. Yeah. I liked it. She was tough. She had a Marion sort of quality. She, um, she was really uh, willing to jump in and she, she in and of herself was a little bit of a scoundrel like Harrison Ford's character could be. I know, right? She, <laughs> yeah. She had a past. <laughs> exactly. For sure. In her very young, uh, you know, her young, uh, uh age um you know i i had seen her before well one thing chris this uh phoebe waller bridge she was the voice of of uh the droid l337 that was in solo a star wars story oh wow i didn't know that yeah and i'm not sure if she was doing any motion capture on how i I'd probably not Given the, although that droid kind of was more, you know, humanoid in in shape, um, and she also she's a writer. She co-wrote the screenplay for the most recent James Bond movie, No Time to Die. Oh, so wow. she's you know interesting, an interesting person. She also was in this uh, series called Fleabag, which I think has a real um, kind of a cult following i believe it's on amazon prime but don't call me because i think i've seen maybe one episode because i was just curious about her and this was this was months ago maybe even when i learned that she was in the new Indiana jones film that's when i i watched fleabag um fleabag is probably not everybody's cup of tea i think it's probably definitely um for mature <laughs> mature audiences but she's she's a good actress and i ran i'm with you I, I loved her in this i thought she was she was great and 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 a, just a great buddy and I, I think a perfect addition to you know the the team for yeah. uh, for uh, for this movie. Now on the on that train sequence that we were talking about to Chris, we meet uh, the bad guy of the film who is played by Mads Mikkelsen. Uh, what did you think of uh, of uh, of the bad dude in in this in this? Uh, in this movie i you know i uh i think that he plays a good villain for sure and you know what what he does um as you learn at the beginning of the film and then as we go along we learn that that the character wants to go back correct some of hitler's mistakes and then take power for himself yeah so you know that kind of speaks to the kind of individual the character is but Mads Mikkelsen pulls it off delightfully. And, you know, he, he comes off as smart and intelligent as well as uh, pointed and, you know, um, a little bit dogmatic, as you might imagine, which makes him a great villain. I think so, too. I think he's awesome. Uh, and, uh, you know, good de-aging on him as well right he looked although his face is kind of timeless looking i think he could pull you know kind of get away with any age just kind of color the change of his hair give him some glasses <laughs> but he's a he's such a good he's such a good villain uh rounding out the cast uh we've got uh so so helena has a little buddy uh uh teddy is his name right uh, and I don't know, he's played by Ethan Isidore, and I don't know if, if he's had any other film credits, but he was great. Kind of, uh, you know, reminded me of Short Round, in a way, you know, I mean, just as far as just skilled, and maybe he was a little more chill <laughs> than Short Round. But what did you think of Teddy? Oh, I thought Teddy was great. Again, um, a thief on the street, you know, um, is hanging out with her, and is helpful and plays a pivotal role, you know, in the plot and, and helping to accomplish the goal of saving the world. You know, Chris, one of the happy things too, about the film was, was, uh, was, uh, John Reese Davies reprising his role as Sala. Uh, even though, even though he's not in it very much, it made me, it made me so happy to see him. What were your thoughts about that? Well, um, I'm going to answer that in some of the dialogue of the film because I, <laughs> yeah. I, I think it was so great um, and really wrapped up a lot of the thought of the movie for me. Sala says, I miss the desert. 
I miss the sea, and I miss waking up every morning wondering what wonderful adventure the new day will bring to us. Indy responds, those days have come and gone. And Sala says, perhaps, and perhaps not. And uh, then you see that those adventures continue. And it was it was fun to kind of see the band come back together, you know, from the original movie. And it was fun to see Sala again, for sure. Yeah, I isn't that the greatest? That's such a great quote. Um, and then I love it how when Indiana Jones turns around, he almost gets hit, hits by a car. <laughs> right. I thought the, the whole thing worked <laughs> for me. Um, so that so Helena basically, when she comes to visit, uh, you know, Indy, he takes her back into the the archives at the school, and he's got this portion of the dial that still still remains the dial ended up driving helena's dad you know basil shaw mad um you know just he was just was obsessed with it uh what was your take on on that you know when when we learned about that and then also how she, how she then s- runs off with the dial (laughs) well you know there was a pact between um uh indy and um and basil that indy would destroy it because he knew the trouble it could create of course indy didn't do it and uh it was there in the archives pulled it out Um, And as you mentioned, you know, Helena steals it basically from him and runs off with it because she is obsessed. And I think, you know, she's trying to accomplish some of her own, um, you know, correcting of history with the relationship that she had with her father to try to understand some of the details there as well. But she had spent a lifetime studying this. And clearly had a mission when she shows up to meet Indiana Jones. Yeah, that um, uh, that yeah, I just again, just I think great character, and just to, you know, uh, just really like how how everything just continued to to progress. So then, uh, Indy follows her. Uh, well, she, they have that. Well, why should you say they've got that chase sequence in New York City? So the, the the henchman of this, you know, uh, Mads Mikkelsen, the evil Nazi guy, uh, are chasing Helena, and then they chase Indy because you know he's involved, and they also kill some of Indy's college col- colleagues that we just met. So, and then you know he's there on the murder scene, and, and clearly you know his blood, you know he touches the coworker that's got blood all over, her and. Then there, then you know, he touches the phone, so the fingerprints, you know, I mean, he's going to be framed for murder, so he knows that he's got to get out of there too. And then we've got our first, or I guess technically it's our second, right? Uh, chasing in the film. What do you think of that whole parade chasing? <laughs> it was so great, and and the parade, if I'm not mistaken, Stan, was to celebrate the moon landing, yeah, and yeah, the- and of course, Indy has one of the best lines in the movie, I think. Um, he was not impressed with the whole moon thing, right? He said, yeah. going to the moon is like going to Reno and discovering they don't have blackjack. <laughs> I, I love that. <laughs> uh, pretty unimpressed with what was going on there. Of course, he lived yeah. in history rather than uh, being part of it, you know. And I don't think that Indy recognized the significance that was happening at the time. and. Yeah. Uh, really, that's part of the film. I think there's this this undertone and this message that that I picked up that we could be very well be living in one of the most historical times in the world, but historians in the future will get to declare that. And um, I think that Indy put that together at the end that we'll get to in a minute of how significant history can be. But when you're living in it, it doesn't seem um, as much. And I think that the movie kind of drove that home for me of, you know, living in the now and understanding the weight and the historical significance are there. But I don't think that Indy recognized that until the end of the film. Yeah, I, I agree. 
Uh, well said. Uh, you know, uh, when things get to uh, the, they go to Tangier, because Helena is going to try to sell this, you know, piece of uh, the dial that she just got from Indy, and uh, then you know, Indy gets there and he's not having it. I love. I think one of the one of, one of the many favorite things about this film are some of the homages to the previous Indiana Jones films. <laughs> right. So you know, there's one where he so he's there to stop this auction that Helen is doing uh, of of the dial, and he pulls out his whip, you know, and starts cracking it. And then every single one of these gangsters or whoever, you know, <laughs> I don't know, like 15 guns pointing at him. And then, oh, he just, yeah. then he just like dives under the table. <laughs> that cracked me up. I mean, again, just because there's a lot of you know, a lot of these little, these little things. And then you know, I think at that point things just are are nonstop. You know, the action's nonstop, and uh, they've got that terrific uh, chase scene through the streets uh, that I that I love. And again, with just this great. Um, John Williams score and fantastic. I think technically it's just excellent, you know, just fantastic editing. It's so exciting uh, as they're in that little, I don't know what do you call that little um, uh, vehicle <laughs> that they're in? Yeah, that little yeah. three wheel, three little golf cart. Yeah. 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 Much faster, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, but that whole, that whole thing's a kick. What did you think of that? Uh, that chasing through the streets of Tangier. Oh, that was fun. Uh, it was, it was really fun. Um, again, uh, those chase scenes in Indiana Jones um, are fantastic. And I, I love the use of uh, some of the things that would be on the street there, you know, in the, in the sixties and seventies. And it was fun to like, watch that, um, that bundle of sticks kind of turn along <laughs> as a yeah. result of that, you know, yeah. their pursuers. Yep. Funny. Well, and if they didn't film at all over there, you know, in Tangier, it sure looked like they did. I mean, I'm sure there were plenty of of digital effects, but I think that much of this movie was filmed on location, and it it showed. I you know I thought it really showed. That was one of the things that I think really bummed me about the Crystal Skull, is that. There was so much digital, and maybe again there was equivalent digital in this film, and just the techniques have improved. But uh, you could just tell, you know. Uh, there's that jeep chase scene that they do in the Crystal Skull that again is just so unbelievably fake, right? right. And and uh, these all look to me terrific, and and uh, were just again it just worked worked for me. Well, me me too, and I. If they weren't practical, they sure look like it. So. Yeah, they sure look like it. I agree. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, yeah, just again with these great stunt drivers and just uh, you know, anyway, the whole thing it looked it looked great. I thought this that that particular chase was a real a real standout. Well, so then uh, the adventure really starts because then we they show one of my favorite things from an Indiana Jones film. Chris is the is the map with the red line. Where you know, showing where they're traveling, yeah, showing where they're traveling to, and uh, um, first off, they have to go get uh, this this tablet, which is going to hopefully lead them to the other half of the of the dial, and the tablet's underwater, so they uh, enlist the help of one of Indiana Jones' friends and go off the coast of Greece and to to dive to an ancient shipwreck in the Aegean Sea. Uh, and again, another another really cool, cool sequence when they're diving. Because again, I don't think we've had a real underwater sequence like that in, in, in an Indiana Jones yeah. film, have we? Yeah. No. <laughs> uh, what what were your what were your take on that on that diving scene? Oh my gosh, the diving scene was fun. Um, again, an homage to uh, uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it was funny. You see a couple ills. And Helena says, hey, they look like snakes. And quickly, and you know, Jones goes back and says, no, they don't. No, they don't, they don't look like yeah. snakes. His face. <laughs> <laughs> that was such a good one. Well, and, and then later on, and you'll get to this, but um, walking through a cave and 
again, felt a lot like the Temple of Doom with all the bugs. Oh, the yeah. The bugs. Classic Indiana Jones, right? Just, yeah. yeah it was just, uh, I, I, I agree. Um, so the whole time they're, you know, they're being pursued by, by, uh, by these Nazi folks. And, um, anyway, they finally end up in, uh, Italy. They get, they, they get to Syracuse, Italy, and they are off to, uh, you know, find, find the resting place of, of Archimedes and get this other half of the dial. And just as you were saying, Chris, through the, the, uh, the caves and all that, that's just such a classic, uh, Indy, you know, Indiana Jones sequence. And I, I want to go see, uh, I want to go to Syracuse there in Sicily, see those beautiful ruins, got that big temple and, uh, uh, all that, all that stuff, which is, Right. So the, the, uh, uh, they, there's, there's that whole thing where they find, they do find the body of, of, of Archimedes. They find the other half of the dial. Then of course the Nazis are right there, um, right there too. And then Indy gets shot. Right. Um, and what was your take about that, Chris? You, you know, that whole kind of final or not because it wasn't final. Cause we got a whole another big thing to talk about, but, uh, uh, that whole thing there in the cave, what went, you know, what went down? Well, I was frankly worried because, um, you know, the advanced media on the movie has made it clear this is Harrison Ford's last Indiana Jones. Yeah. So you're thinking, oh, my gosh. I'm like, oh, crud. No, it, th- that would be a sucky way to have Indiana Jones, you know, leave the universe. Yeah. Have him die of a gunshot wound. Right? Yeah. Um, so you wonder what's going to happen there. So that does bring an extra level of drama to the film, to be sure. Yeah, definitely. And and so uh, they they all make their way out. They, they you know it was interesting to me that they I, mean, I was glad they didn't kill Indy, and I guess they just felt like they needed his skills. I guess on a certain level, or, or, right. or you know, right. Um, and they they get in this airplane, and then they're gonna, and then they point the time machine, you know, because they've got both sides now of this dial connected. And their goal is to go back to Syracuse. Was it in, to, to, to uh, 1939? I believe, Chris, does that sound right? 1939. Yeah, <laughs> and, 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 it was, and it was interesting, right? Yeah. So Voller. Who I believe yeah, Voller, who's the name of the uh, Mads Mikkelsen character, uh, yeah, if you go back to 1939, and the goal is to assassinate Hitler. And so they're in an airplane doing this, and then luckily, little Teddy, who's a pretty uh, talented kid, uh, gets in another plane. Um, but then Helena is saving the day, you know, the plane's taking off in the rain and she's on her motorcycle on the runway and she's able to get onto the, the landing gear and get into the, get into the plane where Indy is, you know, and the Nazis. Which, that was exciting. What did yeah, you think about which, all that? Which, which the parallel for me was almost like um, Raiders of the Lost Ark when Marion is in the Nazi sub. Yep. And then Harrison, or, you know, Indy, chases after her and they cheer cheer him on you know from the boat <laughs> like that like like she's gonna save the day yeah yeah i uh i thought that was cool too and kind of yeah an homage definitely to that so then we have a real what i think is being referred to as either a wild swing or a big swing but also to me it just feels like it was very much an indiana jones thing you know very much in uh the uh that they uh this they they go through this this portal up in the clouds thinking that they're going to 1939 but lo and behold they go to uh 212 bc (laughs) during when the time when archimedes was alive and during this the siege of syracuse happening uh and I thought the way that they reveal that just kind of slowly where you don't really know what's happening. And then all of a sudden you see all these ships and you realize, uh, 
we're not in 1939. We're like in Roman times, you know. And it's crazy, but I just said, word. What was your take, Chris, on this on that battle as the airplane is flying through the siege of Syracuse? Well, you you can see uh, Indy kind of thinking about what in the world's happened, what what could go wrong, and he tries to talk. Uh, Jurgen out of um, next steps and says, wait, Archimedes didn't know about continental drift. And then he said, I don't know where we're going, but it sure as hell isn't 1939. (laughs) (laughs) And and then he shows up there. And then, yeah, to your point, when they first come through, I, I think that everyone believes that they're actually in a war scene that might be world war two. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, but then as you get a little bit more granular, you realize that indeed it is not. Um, it is uh, much further before, but the war scene was equally as exciting, to be sure. Oh, yeah. And so, you know, these big spears are coming through the airplane and there's all this stuff going on. And then Helena is there, you know, uh, it's 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 pretty exciting. And. And then, of course, little Teddy is staying steady on his plane. And it turns out that the pilot of the plane uh, that Teddy is flying was actually just, like, taking a nap or fall- I was asleep in the plane. So that was kind of convenient, but definitely, I thought, smart, you know, because Teddy was going to need some help <laughs> to get the plane landed and then get it back, you know, get it back out was the goal. So, So here, you know, plane lands and, you know... It, Indy's Indy's there, you know, he's they've they've killed the Nazis, you know, again, spoiler alert. Uh and Indy and Helena are there. They meet Archimedes and they see all the stuff going around. And these are the exact same things that Indy was talking about at the beginning of the movie with his class, you know, at Hunter College. And I got that was emotional for me because, you know, here's Indy. And he's, you know, he's having this big adventure, but now he is actually living in the thing that he's studied for so much of his life. He's seeing it not as a ruin, but like in action. And he wants to stay. And that's his plan. He's not going to leave. He's not going to go back. Because right. I think he feels too like he has nothing to go back to. Uh, Harrison Ford, I thought, played this so well, you know, because again, he's such a fine actor. But um, how did you, what were your thoughts on that scene where he's talking to Helen about how, how he wants to stay. Well, I, I think that goes back to what I was saying before, Stan, about him realizing that appreciating the moment that we're in versus the history or the future along the way, is it so important? So for me, that was uh, really the teaching moment within this film, which becomes for me kind of a philosophy that, that drives some things. And I, um, he said this quote at that moment that, that I really enjoyed and I think uh, was so profound for me. He says, I don't believe in magic, but a few things in my life, I've, here, I'm going to do that again. Okay. I don't believe in magic, but a few times in my life, I've seen things, things I can't explain. And I've come to believe it's not so much about what you believe, it's how hard you believe it. Um, you know, meaning that living in the moment is important as well, not necessarily in the past or the future. And I think that's where Indy, for the first time in his career, recognizes that being in the moment is important rather than in the past. Yeah, perfectly said, Chris. The, uh, uh, you know, I wonder if he had a little more time to think about it, if he, if he would maybe make a different choice. Um, but Helena wasn't having it. <laughs> she knocked him out. She punched him out. Because we learned she's got a pretty mean punch. <laughs> Her punch packs a wallop. And, uh, and then the next thing we know, we're back, we're back in Indy's apartment in New York City. And, um, uh, and you know, Helena's there caring for him. And then Sala shows up. And then we have uh, probably one of the great reveals of the film, you know, uh, when Marion walks in. What was your take, Chris, when when uh, when Marion comes back into the film? You know, um, 
I loved it because I'm a big fan of Marion. Um, yeah. Yeah. I've talked about that in the in the previous podcast. But she looked old, Stan. Yeah, I think they really aged her. You yeah, know? must have aged her because she looked old. And I think that was to match, you know, the intent. Um, she is nine years younger than than Harrison. Yeah. So yeah. I think they tried to make them equal in age, you know, and or or look like it to be sure. But I thought it was so great. You know, it it drives home what I was saying before is living in that moment is great. And then for me, one of the greatest scenes in the film is reliving again another scene from Raiders of the Lost Ark. Uh, where uh where karen says boy i just kind of hurt everywhere and harrison says well where doesn't it hurt and then we all know the rest i i was still waiting stan for that line of hey it's not the years honey it's the mind (laughs) i know me too (laughs) that's one of our favorite lines mutually favorite lines (laughs) but but i thought it was great and you know what what a great way to to end the franchise um, almost like a chiasmus of, you know, we're now where we've begun of, yeah. of this relationship and um, really kind of a, a sweet ending um, along the way. But but that's not it, right? Um, <laughs> well, I loved how, you know, they yeah, the, the final shot, Indiana Jones' hat is out on the clothesline, drying. Right. And you see this arm come out and pull it off the line. <laughs> exactly. As to say that, hey, I'm not out to dry end. Yeah. Exactly. He gets to live on. Yeah. Even though that we know that he, it's the last film. I I thought it was a perfect way to end it. Just with exactly what you described, you know, that's, that kind of that, the flip of that scene from Raiders about where does it hurt? And then, uh, you know, because uh, I, I love the comic, Chris, from, from one of your family members was, ew, old people making out, ew. <laughs> but but uh, it was funny and appropriate, you know. Um, but it worked that they, you know, that these two are going to, you feel like they're going to reconcile. One thing that we didn't mention was that we learn in this film, too, that uh, their son, uh, who was played by Shia LaBeouf in the in the you know Kingdom of the Crystal Skull film? Um, would died. He enlisted in the Vietnam War to piss off his dad, and he and he got killed. Right. And uh, you know that was that was sad. What's your take on, on killing off of uh, that character? Well, I I think the way that they did it was the right way. They um, Helena comes to Indy and says. You know, where would you like to go back in history? Would you like to meet with Cleopatra? Would you like to do some other things? And he said, I would go back and tell my son not to enlist. So we we find out that he dies uh, in the war. And yeah. um, certainly sad, but a great way to, you know, create continuity in the story, to be sure. Yeah. Yeah, you know, so... We won't be seeing probably any films of, uh, you know, I think that was one of the things that probably many of us thought after seeing Kingdom of the Crystal Skull is that Shia LaBeouf might be picking up, you know, might be making his own kind of Indiana Jones style of a film. But that never happened. Shia kind of, you know, went off the deep end. And and I think it was also said a lot of disparaging remarks (laughs) about this Indiana Jones stuff. So I think they were like, well, I guess that's not happening. Yeah. I'll be, I did like his apparent comeback in the peanut butter Falcon. Yeah. Oh yeah. Thank you for bringing that up. Yep. For sure. So Chris, as we also know, uh, this film was not directed by Steven Spielberg as the other four were. Uh, It was directed by James Mangold, who uh, is an American film and television director, screenwriter and, and producer who's got, I think, a very impressive resume. I've really liked a lot of his films. He directed Logan, which was kind of that dark uh, retelling about uh, Wolverine, you know, the Marvel comics character Wolverine. 
One of my favorite films that he directed was uh, Ford v. Ferrari, which came out in 2019. I don't know if you, if you had a chance to see that. But he also direct, uh, directed Walk the Line, which is that Johnny Cash. Yeah, I like that film. Yeah, so he's he's directed a lot of, of, of I think, quality stuff. And, you know, he's, he's slotted to direct a, a Star Wars movie. Oh, interesting. So, uh, again, you know, we'll see. I guess we'll, you know we'll see what happens because you know those Star Wars directors kind of come and go. <laughs> um, right. uh, you know you have to wait until it actually is made. But uh, still, I I I like James Mangold's work, and I and and I think this film is right up there. Uh, you know the quote I read, and again I don't think this is hearsay, but it was uh, so Bob Iger, you know the former and current CEO of Disney, right. Uh, held a viewing party for, for this film. Steven Spielberg, Steven Spielberg was there and Spielberg's quote was, I thought I was the only one who knew how to make these type of, you know, this type of movie. Right. Uh, and I thought that was a really good compliment to James Mangold. Cause I think he really, um, I thought he really delivered a fantastic film. Yeah, I agree. I thought it was, um, in in the style, um, it was um, had a lot of great dialogue, had a great chase scene. It was nostalgic. It was new. Um, it was fun. I think that people ought to see this film, Stan. Yeah, I think people need to give this film a chance too. I think clearly the film resonated so much with me, just as you were saying. Indiana Jones as a character has been a huge part of my life you know just having seen it when you know the ages that we did and then just how how beloved the films are overall and and uh you know i was thrilled that they finally they they were going to be able to make one more film with harrison ford and and so it really worked for me i wonder if too again not that we need to delve into this too much chris but i'm not sure that the film is really resonating with the younger audience and I think some of that is just you kind of maybe had to be there, you know, you, you know, to uh, to get more excited about this, even if even if you know one's parents showed showed uh, you know these films to you know to the family growing up. But also, I think too, you almost have to be like of a certain age to appreciate the. Uh, uh, I mean, I was thinking from for me, Chris, because you're still you're still spring chicken, dude. I'm a, you know, I'm not, <laughs> but you know, I think you get reflective about your life in certain ways. And, and, you know, Harrison falls Ford's a lot older than I am, but, but I think the issues that they bring up and the themes that they bring up in this film, you might not appreciate if you're under age 50. I mean, let's be honest. Right. You know? Right. Um, what's your take on that? Well, that's the thing is, um, you know, we can, we can think that the history, that history uh, was better than what we live in now. We can certainly think that we can we can pick it up, brush it off, shine it up, um, and you hear people say, "Geez, these aren't the good old days," um, and then others saying, "Geez, maybe the future will be better than now." Well, you know, the reality is, is we don't have that luxury. You know, this is the only time that we're going to know, and we've got to make it the best that we possibly can make it, and. I think that's another great message that came from that film for me is live in the now and really appreciate what you have because it could be gone in the future. Yeah. Yeah. Really good points, Chris. Well, anything else we need to mention about this film other than to to tell our great listeners to go see it? (laughs) Well, Well, yeah, kind of similar to what we did in the last podcast about Indiana Jones is, um, ranking them now that we have five to rank, you know, where does yes. destiny rank within um, the ranks of, of Indiana Jones? So, so he, here's my ranking system. Uh, yes. Uh, Raiders of a Lost Ark. And seriously, one of the best films ever made, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, agreed. Perfect uh, film. Yeah. Just, just, just amazing. If you haven't seen it in a while, you need to watch it again watch to it. realize what a great film it is. Right? It's on Disney Plus. Go watch it. Great place to to watch it too. 
Um, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, I would say, is number two. That's because Sean Connery brings that um, amazing uh, performance of his. And, and then surprisingly, number three is The Dial of Destiny. So, uh, and then Temple of Doom, followed by Crystal Skull for me. You How about know, you, Dan? You know, Chris, I'm identical. <laughs> I got Raiders first, uh, Last Crusade second, then Dial of Destiny third. Yeah, Temple of Doom, and then Crystal Skull. Oh, that's it. Well, it was really a great film. And I think that people ought to see it for a number of reasons. And, and you know, um, I remember when I was just a kid, um, I went to see The Shootist um, uh, uh, when I was smaller. And um, it was John Wayne's last film. And I didn't realize the significance of that until much later. So to your point, I think this film lives on as you know the end of an era and uh i think that when people see it and they look back they'll realize what a significant film it, it really was yeah yeah I, I i agree with you i think uh i think it's really going to stand the test of time and maybe if it doesn't really get a big audience now i think over time it will you know it's gonna it's gonna be uh it's just such a excellent send off to this character that I think we, you know, we all respect and love so much. Yeah, I, I agree, you know, and you, uh, you look back in history at the great characters, as we mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, you know, there's certainly characters like Batman and Wonder Woman, um, maybe even Rooster Cogburn or James Bond. You know, Indiana Jones um, is certainly among their ranks, if not above. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Chris, it's just been a pleasure, as always, talking with you. Thank you again for your great insights. And, and uh, again, so fun to be able to not only talk about this movie, but to, get to see it with, uh, with you and your family. So thank you. Thank you again, my friend. So much fun. And thank you. And you know, your your listeners are so lucky to get the insight that you bring, um, you know, some of the ways to connect dots and make the film viewing process so much more fun. So uh, it, well, thank it's you. It's great to be with you, Stan. Thank I you. I appreciate it. Thanks so much, Chris. thanks again to Chris Allen for being on the podcast again and that does it for this episode of the movies past and present podcast uh, links to more information about the movies discussed today can be found in the podcast notes on my blog at moviespastandpresent.com subscribe to the podcast where you listen to your podcast and follow me uh, now on threads um, at Stanford Clark and also still on Instagram at movies PAP as in past and present as always, I hope you'll enjoy some good movies this week, whether they be from the past or the present. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, be safe out there and dedicate yourself to the truth. Bye.